spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Welcome back to the Policy Biz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Are you interested in improving how you deliver your presentations? Are you interested in creating better slides and learning what not to do with your slides? Well, this episode of the podcast is for you. I'm very excited to have Andrea Pacini join me on the show. Andrea is from Ideas On Stage, where they work with presenters from a whole host of sectors and Andrea is going to talk about how to improve the way you present your information, particularly on some of the coaching that they do at Ideas on Stage. So I'm very excited to talk with Andrea. I was on the Ideas on Stage podcast uh, just a couple of months ago, so it was great to have him join me on this show. So with no further ado, let's get right to it. Here is my conversation with Andrea on this week's episode of the Policy Viz podcast. Hey, Andrea, good to see you. Welcome to the show. How are things? Great to see you too, John. Great to see you again. Thanks yeah, for having again. me. Yeah, yeah. How are things? I'm good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, everything okay? What about you? It's getting cooler here in Virginia, so which is fine. I'm good with the fall, so I'm 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 perfectly happy to have a little bit cooler here. So I'm excited to have you on because you very kindly invited me to your podcast, and we talked more about data visualization. So I think this is a good sort of partnering episode because we'll talk about presentation skills, which is what you do over at Ideas on Stage. So I thought maybe we just start with introductions, you know, your background and how you got to Ideas on Stage and, and what your role is there. Yeah, sure. So I'm the head of Ideas on Stage UK. I'm in London. So I look after our clients in the UK. You know Phil Wicknell, uh, who looks after our, our, our clients in, in France. He's based in Paris. And in terms of background, John, the reason why I do what I do and also the reason why I ended up then with Ideas on Stage is because when I was a little kid growing up in Italy, I grew up in a family of very small business owners. My parents have always been running their own very small business together. They still do. And so as a kid, I saw their challenges because raising four kids while trying to run a business is not easy. But I also saw their spark and entrepreneurial mindset and proactive approach to life. Mm. And so that's why I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, to run my own thing. Now, in reality, that remained a dream for a long time because before mm -hmm. doing what I do now, I tried many things. All of them failed. But it was useful. Because in that process, what I realized was that there are so many great ideas that fail, not because of the ideas themselves, but just because of the way we present them. Mm. And that's why, John, to cut it short, eventually, that's why I became a presentation coach. Mm. That's why today my mission is to stop great ideas from failing just because of the way they are presented. And at Ideas on Stage, our vision is to help hundreds of thousands of business leaders 
inspire their audiences, increase their influence, and why not make a positive impact in the world? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about those business leaders. Do they do they come to you generally with a specific presentation and a specific problem, or are they just coming to you and saying, look, I want to be a better presenter? Uh, I'm guessing it's a little bit of both. And then what is the, and then what I'm really curious in, and I think we should spend a bunch of time talking about it, is the coaching aspect of things. So what is what does that look like? What's that process like? Um, and then I'm going to sort of quiz you on some of your like <laughs> top and bottom like things that people do. But yeah, what's who are the folks that are coming to you all? And then what does that coaching look like? Yeah. So it's as you said, a bit of both. So when it comes to one-to-one coaching with entrepreneurs, business owners, business leaders. Either they come to us because they have an important presentation coming up and they want to be prepared for that presentation. So we prepare that presentation together from any perspective, message, visuals, the way they deliver the message. So it's not just, it's the content, which is the more, we do work on the content, which I believe is the most important thing, but it's also about how you deliver your content. But you don't have to have an actual presentation coming up. Often we have people who come to us because Even if they are not working on a particular presentation, they simply want to improve their general presentation skills because for them, presenting is an important part of of what they do. Mm. So these two situations, then also we work with groups. So we run presentation skills workshops for groups of, of people, again, who want to improve or even transform their ability to pitch, present, and communicate their ideas. Now, in terms of the coaching, you you asked about the process. Now, the way it works is this. It doesn't really matter. So if you have an actual presentation coming up, then the coaching is based around that particular presentation. So as we prepare that presentation together, there's also a coaching element so that even after the presentation, you can go back to the process and apply over and over again to all your future presentations. That's how we like to work. If you don't have an actual presentation coming up, what we like to do is we create a test presentation together with a client. So we want to make it practical, relevant to them, not theoretical. And we ask our clients to think about a scenario, a typical scenario, which means, okay, who is your audience normally? And what's your topic? What do you want to talk about? So we start from that scenario and we create a test presentation. And the process is is this. There are five steps for us, John. The first one, we call it foundation. The foundation of the presentation process is about understanding your audience, knowing how to analyze your audience, their needs, and the context. Because if we don't do that, it's very hard to create a presentation which is relevant to them. And there are, we have frameworks to do that. The second step, we call it ideation. So we need to understand, and this is part of the coaching, we need to understand and we need to know and practice how to generate ideas, how to identify our key messages. We need to brainstorm in a structured way, thinking about what do we want our audience to know after the presentation? What do they need to feel after the presentation? What do they need to do? What actions do we want them to take? So that's the ideation piece. The third step is creation. Once we have ideas, we need to be able to translate these ideas into a clear and engaging storyline. A storyline is a presentation structure from the beginning to the end. So at the beginning, how do you capture the audience's attention? How do you communicate your key messages in a clear way? All the way to the conclusion. You want to conclude in an effective way with a clear punchline. So that's the creation piece. 
Then step number four, illustration. This is not always needed. But for example, you are very strong when it comes to slide design yourself, also from a data visualization perspective. Often, no, we don't have to, but often using a tool like PowerPoint or any other tool, it doesn't make any difference, but we need to do it well. We need to avoid the typical death by PowerPoint, as you know. And then the last piece is the connection element, which means that presenters need to be able to make a good connection with the audience. And so we work on that delivery skills as well. So first it's the message, then it's the visual aspect if needed, and then it's the way you deliver your message. John, and then I'll stop here, is that when we think about presentation skills, many people immediately assume that we are talking about delivery. Mm -hmm. And delivery is an important aspect, but for me, it's 20%. Mm. 80% is your message. If you don't have a compelling message, which is simple, clear, relevant to the audience, it doesn't matter how beautiful your slides are. It also doesn't matter how good you are from a delivery perspective. Right. And it sounds like this five-step process is really like, if I summarize it, it's about strategizing, right? It's about building that strategy as opposed to what I think probably most people do, which is they open PowerPoint or you know Google Slides or whatever, and they just start making slides, but they don't set up this strategy to think about what they want to show or say and how they want to how they want to say it. So when you work with folks, how do you maybe rein them in a little bit from saying, oh, we just got to go and make the slides and then I'll be okay. And then I can just talk through them. Like, how do you pull people back? Because I'm guessing that's that's most people's sort of like instinct is I'll make the slides and then I'll just kind of talk through them. Yeah, no, you're right. And it's one of the key mistakes we see. The very first thing most people do is they just open PowerPoint or again, any other presentation tool yeah. and they put together some slides. We know that that's not the first step. And, and yes, so it's part of the education that, that you need to that you need to do with your with your audience, with your network, with your clients, potential clients. And, and part of that education is making people understand that if they want to become more confident presenters, more impactful, more effective communicators, a lot of people think that confidence comes from either wishful thinking, innate self-belief or natural talent, or a lot of people think that, again, it comes just from your delivery skills. But no, confidence has nothing to do with that. Confidence comes from what you said, the strategy, the process. There's a structured way of thinking about presenting. Mm. And not following that structure, the process, is often what creates discomfort when we are in front of an audience. It's also what often creates fear of public speaking, for example. And also, part of the education is for people to understand that confidence also comes from familiarity. It has nothing to do with PowerPoint. Familiarity means that the more familiar we are, we are with a certain situation, the, the more we do certain things, the more confident we become at doing those things, including presenting speaking in public. For example, John, some time ago, I watched a, a video of Kobe Bryant. He was answering some questions. It was an interview. And one of the one of the questions was, Kobe, how is it possible that every time I see you playing, you always look so confident? And he said, 
the only reason why you think I look confident is because when you see me doing certain things, I've done those things a thousand times before. Ooh, yeah. And he said, confidence comes from preparation. Mm -hmm. and, and the process that we talked about is part of that preparation. So it's about trying to make our audience understand that that's what really makes a difference. Right. So I'm curious about the part of the coaching where you help people actually speak better. So I completely understand this. If I'm, uh, if I strategize and I plan and I have a goal in mind and I have all the, the foundations and, and, and the ideation, I have all that. And I'm more familiar with my content already with those, I'm gonna be a better speaker. How do you help people when they want to take it to that, you know, that next level? Like what are the techniques? What are the strategies? What are the exercises you do with folks when it comes to, you know, just, you know, standing on a stage, you know, you're the CEO of some fortune 500 company and you want to be the Steve jobs of the world, right? What does that sort of coaching look like when it comes to the actual standing in front of an audience and speaking? Yeah. So, so that's the delivery side of things. Mm -hmm. So how can we improve our delivery skills? Right. And the, the way we do, and then I'll give you some practical techniques. The way we do it is whether we are working on an actual presentation or a test presentation at some point as part of our coaching program, we encourage our clients to deliver that presentation in front of us, in front of me or some of my colleagues. And, and then we provide feedback for improvement based on a framework that we use. Now, we have a method at Ideas on Stage. We call it presentation score. Score mm -hmm. like scoring like in football or soccer in the mm -hmm. US. Now, score stands for five principles. Simple, clear, original, related to the audience, and enjoyable. And so all of the delivery techniques are based around this framework. Now, simple, for example, the way you speak simply is one of the things you can do is you need to learn to use simple language, simple words, simple sentences, conversational language, everyday language. So that's, and there are exercises to work on that. Also, avoiding verbal fillers, filler words, things like um, are. Like for example, if you want to avoid verbal fillers, the only solution is awareness. You need to be aware of whether or not you are using mm. any kind of verbal fillers. Like, you yeah. know, actually, you know, you know, I don't know. That's why I'm watching your presentation. Yeah. And, and so to make you aware, either you work with a presentation coach or you can record yourself and you can watch the recording and you can count, for example, as an ex a practical exercise, you can count and you write it down how many times you use any kind of verbal fillers. And then it's just a matter of practicing, <laughs> practicing, practicing. Yeah. But if you practice while being aware of, of something, it's going to be easier to avoid it. These are a couple of things. Then before you go on, I want to reinforce that because when I first started doing, uh, you know, sort of bigger presentations, one of the things I did, I had, I was invited to give sort of a, you know, a talk I was pretty nervous about. It was at a like big data viz conference. And it was the first time I actually recorded myself. I just used the like voice notes app on the iPhone and exactly what you just said. I could count immediately within the first 30, 45 seconds of listening to myself, just practicing. I could pick up those uhs and ums right away. And just like you said, you could hear yourself and it is difficult. I think everybody agrees. It's difficult to listen to yourself, which is why I think 
working with you and your team is so valuable, right? Because I don't have to listen to my recording. You can give me the live feedback, but you can immediately hear yourself with those verbal filler words or verbal ticks and, and just counting them, I think is such a good tip for people. And it doesn't have to be particularly difficult to do. You just record yourself on whatever, and you know, we all have these recording devices all over the place and then just listen to yourself and, and you're set to go. So anyway, sorry, I want to interrupt because that, that's such a great uh, uh, lesson that I think people can take away. So, uh, okay. So verbal text. So that's one thing. The other one was also using simple language. Right. Uh, also, if you want to speak clearly, we work with our clients to help them from time to time, slow down or mm-hmm. even better pose. We need to, we need to have the courage to pose. Dale Carnegie said, apparently the silence is one of the most eloquent things in the world. And I love that quote because you have silence and eloquence, which is all about speaking. So it looks like a contradiction, but it's not. Silence is very powerful in communication. So I'll give you a practical technique for, for you, John, for, for our listeners. If you want to train yourself to slow down, to pose before or after an important message, because there are benefits, you give your audience time to digest your key messages. You give yourself time to think about what to say next. Mm -hmm. Every time you pose, for example, after a key message, that increases the impact of what you've just said. Mm -hmm. And an exercise is this. As you deliver your next presentation from time to time, when you think that it would make sense to pose, then try and exaggerate the pose by saying a word of your choice. It could be polysivis, mm-hmm. for example, just any, any word Good of one. your choice. Yeah. And you say three times. Mm. And then you continue with your presentation. And then after another pose, you say the same word three times. The idea is to exaggerate it. Of course, that's not what you want to do in the real situation. But as a rehearsal exercise, you want to exaggerate it because if you don't, and if you're not used to it, then in the real presentation with the adrenaline and everything, you will lose the pose. Mm-hmm. Whereas as an exercise, if you exaggerate it, it's going to be easier for you to find the right balance in the real right. presentation. So that's another yeah. technique. Another one, for example, another principle is related. From a delivery perspective means it has to be, your delivery has to be connected, related to the audience. How can we make a good connection with the audience? Well eye contact, for example. So we work with a client, depending on what the scenario is, the way you make eye contact in person is different from the way you make eye contact online. But the principle is the same. We need to make eye contact. So we work on that. Also, body language, posture, gestures, hand gestures. The more you move your hands, the more dynamic you are as a speaker. And everybody likes dynamism. But we need to understand what, you know, these two things, John, when you have a conversation with with a friend, for all of us, whether we are aware of it or not, we do move our hands. Mm-hmm. And that's because we know the audience, we know our friend, we know what we're talking about. As soon as the dynamic is a little bit different, more formal, we're giving a presentation, often these two things start taking on a life of their own. We don't know what to do with them. So yeah. we work with our clients to show them what they can do with their hands. And and then there are also things like to make your delivery more original and enjoyable, you can change your voice. You can change the way you use your voice. And this is because you want to avoid being a monotonous speaker. Nobody likes monotonous speakers. You want to become a dynamic vocal speaker. You can be dynamic with your body language. 
you can be dynamic with your voice. And there are exercises, and then I'll stop here, John, for you to to learn how to change your voice mm. to make it more original and enjoyable. And the key is to all of us, we have our own monotone, our, our own standard tone. And sometimes, from time to time during a presentation, we need to find ways to move away from a standard tone. Otherwise, it's monotonous, it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. To do that, you need to make it pop. So for example, if you want to emphasize a word or a, a phrase, you can make it pop. You can punch the most important words. Now, I'm punching the word punching. You can make certain words longer to emphasize mm -hmm. them. Now, I'm making the word longer, longer. You mm -hmm. can over-articulate certain words. Again, now I'm over-articulating the word over-articulating. Mm -hmm. You can increase your volume. If you want the audience to pay attention to your important message, you can go up in volume. And you can achieve the same benefit by going down in volume. Why? Because anyway, you are going away from your standard tone. Mm -hmm. So you see, these are all, of course, this is advanced communication skills. It does take time and practice, but these are the kind of exercises we use, we do when we work with our clients. Yeah, those are great. Those are great. So we've got, I think I got most of them down. So we've got simple, plain language. We've got uh, avoiding those us and ums, those filler words, filler phrases. We've got adding pauses. We've got connecting with the audience through eye contact, body language. And then we've got changing your voice, articulating louder quieter all right <laughs> all right this is great um the other thing i wanted to ask you about was uh, stories and storytelling you you've mentioned it already a couple times it, this is one of the places i find when i work with people they get a little I, i'm not sure frustrated worried nervous about maybe their stories aren't as engaging or as interesting. And I, I think a lot of people feel like the, you know, the stories they need to tell in their presentation need to be some sort of like universal truth, right? It needs to be like the, this story that people are going to tell their, their kids and their grandkids. And so I'm curious about how you work with your clients and your team to help folks tell stories and what, and how you just think about storytelling, what that means in the context of these primarily kind of business presentations where I'm guessing stories kind of have a particular meaning or, or, or approach. Yeah, sure. So storytelling, first of all, let's talk quickly about why it's so important. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's so important is because if we look at how our brain works, now we all know that people remember stories much more than just facts and figures. Now, don't get me wrong, facts and figures, very important but we need to touch both areas of people's brain. We have the logical side and we address that with facts and figures, but we all have the emotional side as well. And we address that with storytelling, analogies, anecdotes, things like that. Now you're right, a story doesn't have to be, be a once upon a time mm -hmm. type of story. It could be a personal story, something that happened to you. It could. I, I'll give you like three categories if you want. Yeah. You have personal stories. So something that happened to you, it could be a very simple example, a very brief example. It could be a story about other people. So something that happened to somebody else. Of course, John, if it's connect, if the story is connected to the point you want to get across, that's the key. Storytelling is not about telling a story for the sake of it. 
Right. We want to tell a story to make a point because we know that when we do that, people will remember the story and the point we want to get across. So personal stories, stories about other people, stories of success. So say, for example, that you've already worked with a client, an organization, and they have already successfully implemented the strategy that you have in mind, the idea that you want to get across, well, that's a story. Mm -hmm. So if we think about it, there's always a story to tell. And the problem with most presentations is that they are 99% facts. And then if we are lucky, 1% is story. It's a bit unbalanced. So one of the best ways for us to make our presentations more original and enjoyable, two principles of the SCORE method, is to use stories. And then let me give you, and also for listeners, a practical framework that they can apply when it comes to telling stories. You mentioned that people find it uncomfortable sometimes to, to tell stories. One of the reasons why that's the case is because whether we are aware or not, but we always make it about us. Mm -hmm. We've done that. I did that. We achieved that. <clears throat> and this is uncomfortable for you as the presenter, but it's also uncomfortable for the audience. You don't want to make it about you. You need to make it about them, about the audience. The best framework I, I found, especially when you wanted to share a case study, for example, or a story of success, comes from a book I read some time ago by, I think, Mike Adams, seven stories every salesperson must tell mm -hmm. and apart from salesperson this is it's it's a universal framework that, that you can apply in many different contexts and by the way any presentation is a sales presentation if we really think about it but but we can talk about it later if you want now the framework is this four steps setting complication turning point resolution setting is as simple as time and place so if you say you are in front of an audience. For example, last year, we worked with the name of the client in Virginia or in London. Mm -hmm. So time mm -hmm. and place. As soon as you start with a sentence with time and place, the audience knows that you are about to tell them a story to give them an example. Then complication. Here you want to briefly explain the complication from the perspective of the client. That's the key. It's not about you. So these are the challenges, the obstacles, the problem that the, the client or whatever you're talking about is was facing before they met you. Mm -hmm. Then turning point here, yes, you have an opportunity to talk about what you've done with, with the client, for example, if we take this example of a client. And so you have an opportunity to explain how you've helped the client. But then the other key here is the fourth step, the resolution. This is, again, the resolution from the perspective of the client. So this is the success, the outcome that the client has achieved. This is what they achieved. This mm -hmm. is what they did, not what you did. And that's the key. This is something that also Donald Miller talks about in his book, Building a Story Brand. He says that you are not the hero of the story your client or your audience is the hero of the story. That's why we need to make it about them. And once we understand that our role, as Miller says, our role is not the role of a hero. Our role is the role of a guide 
who gives the hero, the client, the audience, a plan, an idea, an insight, a product, a service that helps them solve the complication and get to the resolution. Once we understand that, then everything changes from a storytelling yeah. perspective. Terrific. That's great. So I think folks have a good, hopefully have a good sense of why stories are important, how to at least think about framing their stories, and then they can go forward. And of course, I'll put links to all the, the books you just mentioned and, and ideas on stage on the on the show notes for the for the episode. One last thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned PowerPoint. Uh, obviously, the tools don't really matter. They're all more or less the same. But I'm curious about some of the tools that you and your team use that listeners might uh, either want to try or add to their arsenal. So are there, aside from, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, PowerPoint, Google Slides, Keynote, are there other tools that you're using, other design tools, other resources that you're using that folks should should put into their, uh, onto their list of things that they should look into? The best tool I use, and I would recommend everybody to use it, is just a blank piece of paper. Mm. That's the most important tool. John Cleese said that we don't know where we get our ideas from, but what we do know is that we don't get them from our laptops. Yeah. We don't get them from, from tools. So for me, just a blank piece of paper, a whiteboard, uh, posting notes, a flip chart, these are the best tools. Gar Reynolds talks about planning analog, the importance of planning analog uh, in, in preparation for your presentations instead of going digital. Now, having said that, one tool which is not strictly connected to presenting, but it can be used depending on the context. I use it, for example, when we do, when we have brainstorming sessions with our clients. Mm. So we said at the very beginning, as part of the process, you want to generate ideas. Miro is, mm. uh, I guess you are familiar with it. Mm. It's a great tool for brainstorming, to generate ideas, for creativity. Um, so if you want to have one tool, this is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, I I'm with you. I mean, I, I work analog. I like to write and sketch. I do tell people that analog for them could mean a Google doc or a word doc. I mean, I, I think a lot of people feel better working on their laptop. I mean, I, I'm with you that like drawing is the way to go and, and sketching and just writing things down. But I think for a lot of people, Maybe they're not ready for that. And so the, the thing that I, I recommend is just, like, just don't start in PowerPoint, even though one could argue that PowerPoint's a great sketching tool because it's a blank canvas, but you're, you're, I think you're just too inclined to like add bullet points, right. And start building these, like whatever, you know, sort of PowerPoint or Google like pushes you towards, I think starting with that blank canvas, as you mentioned, is, is, is a better way to start. Now, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it could be a Word document, Google Doc. Absolutely. And you're right. The 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 issue, the temptation, if you want, when we open a PowerPoint or a presentation tool, is that we are incentivized to follow the tool, to follow the template. Yeah. Insert a title here. Insert some bullet points here. Add an image here. No, we want to start with our message, and then we want to ask ourselves first of all. Does it make sense to illustrate the message? Because who says that we need to use PowerPoint all the time? Nobody. Right. Yeah. If the answer is yes, and only if the answer is yes, 
then we can come up with ideas for us to be able to support, reinforce, and amplify a message for the audience to be able to understand and remember it better. And those ideas, 100% of the time, have nothing to do with the tool, with the template. Yeah. Excellent. Great stuff. Great lessons here. So before we go, where can folks find you? Where can they find ideas on the stage? And where can they find more resources or get in touch with you to, to help them improve their presentation skills? Thank you, John. I appreciate it. So our website, our company website is ideasonstage.com. For me personally, they can find the, the main platform I use on social media is LinkedIn. So they can find me there with my name. And one free resource that, that could be useful for your listeners is the Confident Presenter Scorecard, which mm -hmm. is an online tool that people can take to very quickly assess their current presentation skills. It's a self-assessment exercise. It takes less than three minutes. It's free. You just need to answer a few questions and then you get a score from zero to 100%. The tool tells you what that score means for you. And it also identifies opportunities for improvement. When you complete the scorecard, then after that, you also get access to other free resources like uh, web presentation skills, web classes, you get access to a copy of my book, for example, for free, Confident Presenter. And the link for that is our website, ideasonstage.com forward slash score, like the method we talked about, S-C-O-R-E. Terrific. Well, I will put links to all this stuff so folks can check it out. Uh, a lot of great content, a lot of great learning that they can do. So, Andrea, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great chatting with you. Great seeing you again. And yeah, I really appreciate you, uh, you chatting with me. Thank you, John. And thanks to everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you'll check out Ideas on Stage and check out some of their resources and materials. And of course, on the Policy Viz site, I have an entire section dedicated to presentations under the Better Presentations tab on the website. You can check out different resources, downloads, PowerPoint templates, worksheets, all the stuff that you'll need to improve how you present your information, your data, and your analysis. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy of His Podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.